Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by Matt Aruda. Matt came to the real estate business in 2014, and after a listless first year in the business and realizing he was out of ways to grow in 2015, he joined one-on-one coaching in August of that year. In less than a year in the program, he's on track to close 100 deals and $20 million in real estate sold. A first-generation Portuguese-American, he sells real estate in the New Bedford, Massachusetts area. Matt previously worked in clinical psychiatric research and social psychology research at Massachusetts General Hospital, Brown, and Harvard University. Matt also spent 15 years in the hospitality industry and performed professionally in the Trinity Repertory Theater in Rhode Island. When he's not selling real estate, he loves to garden, spend time with his partner and their dog, George, as well as pursue his passion for writing. Now, let's welcome Matt to the call as we join our host, Tim Harris. Hi, Matt. I'm uh, really appreciative of you being my co-host today. And I have to say, uh, Gina, one of our show producers, has uh, been uh, prepping me for your interview for at least a week. She's been really excited because of all the, you know, really, I think, very motivational and inspirational things that you have to share um, with all of our listeners. So thank you very much for being my co-host today. Of course. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, so I know I have some discussion points. I suspect you have the same ones just to kind of keep the train on the tracks. But I want to mm-hmm. cut right to it because everyone who listens always, you know, agents always want to know the same thing. Why should I listen and what, what's in it for me? So let's just, if you don't mind, let's do this a little bit out of order. Let's okay. tell them about your production. And, and if you don't mind, in essence, what is your second year, but maybe it could be argued your second and a half year, you're tracking to sell 100 houses. So, guys, that's the punchline. But now I'm going to let Matt kind of ramp you up into basically what it took for him to get there. Go ahead, Matt. Um. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, so, gosh, last year I finished with I finished with 40, 41 closed transactions, and you know, halfway through last year I you know had started coaching, and I think at this point, you know, to with this bigger goal that I had, um, it has been a lot of just generation, a lot of lead generation, and following up and calling past clients and um, building a referral base and um, getting myself out there um, and listings and their open houses have led to uh, quite a bit of um, this productivity so far this year. So you didn't start out. um, You had a pivot. Uh, and we're going to get into the specifics, guys. I promise you we're going to get deep into the weeds and how he's doing it, what he's specifically doing it. We're going to talk about, you know, all those specific details that all of you guys want. But, again, I just want you to know why you should be listening to what he has to say. You didn't you, – you made a, a huge shift in your focus, um, from what I understand, from buyers to sellers. So talk about basically focus, your, your, why you originally started working with buyers, what you were doing, 
uh, what it, you know, and mindset-wise, Matt, this is really where a lot of agents get tripped up. A lot of, virtually everyone starts out in real estate being a buyer's agent because it's mostly a physical, social type, you know, thing. Becoming a listing agent is skills-based. So, you know, there's a huge shift that has to happen when someone actually says, okay, I'm going to learn the skills. I'm going to be a proud, you know, fantastic the best ever salesperson I can possibly be. I'm going to learn how to help people. I mean, but that is that does take crossing a certain emotional bridge. Could you walk the listeners through how you've been able to do that in really a short period of time? Listeners, remember, he's already sold. You know, he's going to probably exceed 100 units this year, effectively a second full year in the business. So listen to what this guy has to say. He started out as buyer, as being a buyer's agent primarily, and he's pivoted towards being a listing agent. So let's talk about that. So. I mean, I started off as a buyer's agent because it's all that I had. I, I didn't really, even though I'm from the area, I didn't really know anybody that was looking, and I was certainly shy about it and not very comfortable uh, or confident, at least. You know, and I, I think it, it you know, I, I'm happy for that period of time working with buyers because I, with as with anything, learn from every transaction. Um, and then, you know, but the listings were always still just a daunting thing for me, uh, both asking for the business and getting myself out there and in front of people who needed to, to, sell, to sell a home. Um, and I ultimately pivoted when it was, gosh, it was halfway through last year, and I was doing better than the year before, but I was feeling a stagnation, and I could sense it. And I'm like, why are other people getting listings and I'm not? Um, and I had already been listening to your um, to your podcasts, and you know, I decided I'm like, you know, let me let me give this a call uh, and see see how you know if, if coaching can help. Um, and it came down, you know, what I started to learn immediately was how to get those folks. You know, I, I used Mojo. I went after expireds. Um, I um, you know started just reaching out to clients, but also following up with folks. I mean, I there was one particularly that I received from last year right after coaching and I drilled that person and drilled them and I mean cards, phone calls periodically. I eventually got that listing. They ended up buying another house. From the open house I did on their listing, I got a the highest listing I've ever had that just went under agreement. Um they referred me to a friend of theirs. Uh, who had a house to sell, so I had that listing as well. And the people that are buying their house, I got two other listings um, that are going up next week. That's um, awesome. And that's what happens <laughs> when you're a listing agent. That type, that type yeah. of stuff definitely does not happen, or at least not that frequently when you're on the buyer side. And, Matt, you haven't been in the business long enough, but if you've been listening to the radio, you know probably what I'm already going to tell you. is guys. Sure. When the market starts to shift and in differing parts of the country, your market's going to shift in differing ways. Let's just put it out there. It's probably not going to be like the last crash. Um, but the reality of it is, is if you're a listing agent, you're going to be – if you're a listing agent and you're paying attention to your, how you're pricing your properties, you're going to be in a fantastic position. If you're a buyer's agent, you're going to be out of business and probably inside 90 days. That is a cold, hard fact because your buyers are going to get cold feet. They're going to wait for the prices to drop. Listen, please. I, every one of you, over 100,000 of you listening, please listen right now. 
as soon as your local paper starts shedding light on the fact that, and again, it's going to happen different in different parts of the market, that prices are falling, you will have buyers who will procrastinate because they are all going to want to wait. Even your first-time buyers will sign more leases. The only way to thrive in a changing market like that is becoming a listing agent. Matt, you got that, didn't you? You understand that, don't you? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so it, you were – let's it, talk it, about – go ahead. No, I was just saying you were buying. It opened, it opened so many possibilities. You know, being, I mean, for lack of better words, when you're a listing agent, you're a center stage. You know, um, mm-hmm. and you're just able to make so many contacts from there. Well, okay. So, but let's just just so that the folks listening can relate to where you were versus where you are. Uh, why did you start out working with buyers, and what did you do to track the buyer leads, and, and at what point did you decide that basically that wasn't the path for you? I mean, you said you had this epiphany that when you're a listing agent, you you know you, these aren't your words, but you're in essence saying you as a listing agent, you know you can create leverage, and you can't do that in a buyer's as being a buyer's agent. But you started out as a buyer's agent, and you were buying buyer leads, weren't you? You were committing one of the cardinal sins of real estate. I was committing <laughs> the sin. Yes. Yes, yes. I was. Okay. <laughs> Talk about that. What was it like buying buyer leads? Uh, you know, it's it, it's a lot of work without a definite end result. Um, I can't say that I didn't make some amazing contacts, um, and um, but I went about it differently too. I mean, once I had a contact, I you know, I immediately set up a consultation with someone. And that's really, I, I learned after a while of just chasing people around and, and it not getting anywhere and um, not being very fruitful that it, it, I needed to actually meet them in person. Um, and that's sort of how I, it became less and less fruitful in, in that way. I mean, obviously, once I met with them in person, I, you, I, I would work with them and, and help them out. Um, but it's, there's no, there's no, you can't control it, I guess. There's no, there's, there's no, you can't develop no, you're a saying pipeline. It right. You know, it's just, you kind of just, you just wait for the phone call, I guess, and that's not, uh, that's not ideal. <clears throat> so here's some statistics according to NAR. 20% of all agents, all the members of the National Association of Realtors, which is roughly 1.1 or 1.2, million uh, members, uh, something like 20% are a year or less in the business, and like a third are three years or less in the business. So the unfortunate truth is, is if you guys, and that's so 50% of the 100 plus thousand that are listening right now are probably three years or less in the business. You guys don't know any better, and it's not your fault. And I mean that with all sincerity. You've come into the industry, and it started in 07, guys, when Zillow came online, and Zillow's done a great job of leveraging essentially deficiency that was in the space. And in, in the industry, they've, as a company, they've done a fantastic job. But as an individual agent, you're, you're doing a disservice to yourself by being stuck on this dependency of buying buyer leads. And it, so you were, of course, you had only been buying buyer leads for like a year when you made the change. When you made the change, was it actually hard when you decided to go from, like, I'm no longer going to buy buyer leads, I'm going to focus on a listing agent, becoming a listing agent, because that is the psychological bridge I was referring to. Was that, how did you, how did you actually get yourself across that? Um, that took a while then. That, that's been, you know, that the coaching has been tremendously helpful in, in the confidence of it. I mean, because I think they're very, they're very different things. Um, in, you know, when someone's selling their home, they, you, a buyer's agent, you can, you can be forgiven for some errors or, um, 
you know, just because you're in the process with them. But, you know, it's that, it's that confidence in meeting with, um, you know, meeting with a homeowner and, 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 and convincing them to, to, to list with you. Um, that, that took, that took time, you know, and I'm still, and I'm, I can't say that I'm not still learning on that, especially as I inch up in price point. Um, so it, it really just took getting, getting one or two and then feeling more comfortable and more knowledgeable and, um, you know, getting, it's like you're in, the script becomes your, your language and you get to play around with it some more and you're not, you know, you get to improvise a little bit, but you're still comfortable with what you're saying and, and you can kind of base off, base it off of experience. But it does, I think took me, you know, one, two, three to uh, of those of those listings to feel more comfortable and say, hey, listen, now I'll, this is what I've done, and this is how I did it, and this is how it turned out, and this is what I can do for your home. Um, and so, but it took it just it took those those first few to to feel more comfortable. I appreciate that. So, guys, he said something very important there, and it's really important you guys get this. If you're being forced or basically coerced into to be, you know, memorizing a script, saying it a specific way. This is the only way to say it. If you deviate it, you're terrible. You know, that's never going to work because the reality of it is, is the way you make a script yours is by making it yours. You don't, you, look, it's good that you understand the flow of it, but what we want you to do is we want you to internalize it, and then we want you to personalize it. And I'd be honest with you guys, some of you come up with some really good rap on our scripts. You guys will say things. And I'll hear you, and I'll see you at, at, you know, at just different things. And you guys will say, hey, Tim, I modified this script. In my marketplace, this works. And I say, well, what are you saying? And they, it's awesome. So, yeah, guys, remember what he just said. And the reason I'm pointing this out is because a lot of you guys have had some form of training in the background. Maybe it's just your brokerage, most likely. And you've been belittled because you didn't, inter- you didn't memorize the script exactly. Well, don't bother. You're never going to. And even if you were to, those aren't your words. You won't have a high level of comfort with it. And the sellers can pick up on that. They can sniff the fear in you. You know, so here's the thing. You mentioned confidence as well. Confidence is really key. Confidence of knowing what to say and how to say it. Did you fight um, using the pre-listing pack, following the pre, you know, well, in the right order. Did you did you struggle with the concept of using a pre-qualification script, sending the pre-listing pack, following the listing presentation? Did you like go back and forth with your coach on that for a long time, or did you just basically follow blindly? No, no, I I, I probably went back and forth by not doing it initially. Um, you know, <laughs> I, so yes, I guess yes, I, I did fight a little bit because I didn't. Uh, and probably because I, I just didn't understand it, you know, um, as much or the, you know, understand the, the importance of it. But I think, you know, it's the key with that is standing above the rest. Um, and, you know, that sort of preparedness um, helps tremendously in, in, in landing a deal. Um, and, uh, and there's, you know, I think there's the key is it, again, it, it's in the beginning, it's like, oh, I'll, you know, as long as I get there, you know, I got an appointment, I'll be fine. And well, yes, yes and no, but I, it, it's just a matter of, it, it raises that level of professionalism, um, by, um, by being able to take those, those extra steps that maybe a lot of others don't. So I'm going to make an observation about you. So you are somebody, generally speaking, that doesn't like going into a situation unless you basically thought it through. You're not somebody 
I know you have a theater background, but you're not somebody, I'm guessing, I'm getting this impression, that likes to go unprepared. And if you do feel unprepared, the last thing you want to do is be stuck winging it. Is that fairly correct? Right. That's very correct. So, all right. And that, so that tells, you know, for those of you guys who have been listening for a while, we've talked about personality styles. And I know you're under a little bit of pressure right now. I know you're because this radio thing you're not prepared for. And I know, like always, I'm not following our pre-prepared questions, so I apologize for that. Uh, right. But, you know, what, what I'm hoping the listeners are hearing is the fact that you're, I mean, if you read your educational background, you have a psychology background, you've spent a lot of time in school, you're not somebody would, that would typically be attracted to real estate sales. Do you consider yourself a salesperson? Um, yeah. Um, Good. I guess that's that is the true, right answer. That's a true question. I'm like, yeah, that's true. That's, well, but, but Matt, you know as well as I do, man, that a lot of agents don't. I ask that question all the time when I have an interview, to be honest with you, and I don't, I don't know what you guys are going to say. I've always had people say that, yeah, I consider myself a salesperson, but most of our industry doesn't. So, right. so what's on the other side of that? If you say I'm a salesperson, what's on the other side of that for you? Saying I'm a salesperson, accepting that, owning that, what does that mean to you? Um. Well, that means what it means to me is that I also provide a service, and that's the other thing that I've, you know, I knew this initially going into this is why I went into the business. Um, but you know, both from, you know, through Eric, my coach, and and you know what I've learned, you know, from you, but also it sort of it underlined something that I went into this business already to wanting, and that is the idea of service. So yes, I I sell houses. That's what I do. However, um, I treat it differently, I think, uh, or I think I treat it the way it should be treated in the sense that, you know, I tell this, pe- I tell this all the time to folks. I'm like, listen, you're not, you're not buying a car. You're not selling a car. You're selling 20 of them. Um, so it should be treated uh, differently. Um, and there's a difference. But when it comes down to it, yes, this is a sales job. Um, but there are other aspects of it. And it is much more intense and personal and psychological for folks. Uh, and for that reason, um, knowing as much as you can and treating it as professionally as possible, I think, has added a tremendous advantage to me in how I, I do things, uh, including how I dress. Um, uh, and, I mean, <laughs> I just don't get it. I'm like, yes, wear, dress up. You're, you're, you're going to sell somebody's house. Um, there's it's no disrespectful not to. It's disrespectful Absolutely. not to. That is what Even it that. is. It's disrespectful. Yeah. Yep. Even yeah. if you guys are some laid at back place and you know some big ass hippie hollow like you know Big Sur California, if you show up and and you're not dressed like a professional, you are being disrespectful. You just are. You know, it's showing that you didn't have the time to actually you know clean your act up before you went on an appointment. That always makes my teeth itch. I'm glad you brought that up. You know, yeah. here's something funny. Every single top producer that we've ever personally coached, every single, you know, doesn't matter, just millions and millions of dollars. I mean, we had coaching clients last year that earn in personal income over, you know, $5 million, $10 million. Okay, one of the things, if you were to ask them, what are the, like, maybe three to five things that make you different, you just said probably what would be number two or three. They always say that. And they always say something else you said too, Matt. You said that I am really, really freaking dogged about lead follow-up. That's probably the first thing all of them would say. 
And guys, I want you guys, I want all the listeners to write this down and, and just remember this. There's so much crap out there about your lead follow-up rules and your this system and that system, but you put them in this follow-up program and that follow-up program. And there's all these complicated, sort of like you have to be a physicist to understand it, garbage that's being said to you. Here's your lead follow-up rule for listings. Write this down. It's very simple. If they have to sell, you have to list them. And you follow up with them until one of two things happen. They list with you, or unfortunately they list with somebody else, or they file a restraining order against you. That's your lead follow-up rule. I'll say it again. If they have to sell, which means you had to have pre-qualified them to determine that they have to sell, you have to follow up, follow up with them until one of two things happen. Actually, it should be one of three things, right? They list with you or somebody else, or they file a restraining order against you. That's your lead follow-up rule. There's no a certain number, and there's no they emailed you, so you email them, or they e- all this other stupid garbage is out there. Guys, stay focused. This is one of the key things that makes a huge difference in your success or not. Don't believe me? Listen to Matt. Second year in the business, he's going to sell 100 houses. So let's talk about what you're doing for lead generation. It's something agents always want to know about. What are you doing to generate your leads? Talk about what um, the specific spokes that you're creating for, uh, for that purpose. Sure. Um, well, certainly, you know, uh, calling expired um, and mm-hmm. calling, I mean, just calling letters, et cetera. You know, I mean, there's, there's, there are tiers to that. Um, open houses are huge for me. Um, once I have that listing, I mean, I'm, I, have a, I then have a list of people who are looking to buy a house, and a good portion of those people now need to sell a house. Um, depending so on price range, right? Depending, depending on, the on price, price range, range of the right. open. Exactly. So right. as I've built up in price, you know, in, in my, you know, my, because before I was really just looking, you know, when I was selling, it was the low 100s, mid 100s. But now, as I've gone up, I meet a lot of folks who have houses to sell. Uh, so from there, I've, gosh, just from the past few months, I've been on several listing appointments um, with folks just from people that I met in person. Um, and, you know, my ears perk up if they say that they have a house to sell, and I make a little note, and then I follow up with them the next day and go from there, and, and or I try to next set up an day. appointment. Or next I try day. to set up an appointment when I meet with them. <laughs> Same <laughs> day. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> yeah. I am there, I'm gonna get your coach I am there to sell the one house. You know, I'm so emailing that's... Eric right now, your coach. Eric, it's not next day. He's listening, I'm sure. Yeah. So um, there you go. I mean, those, those are the key things. And by the way, guys, the buyer uh, prequal script, and this is like I think the third or fourth question, is when you're getting somebody on the phone, your whole job is not just, well, don't stop being a public service uh, provider for listing information because then in essence you're not going to ever have a shot at establishing a relationship with them. Stop talking to them about their dog and trying to do all this fake bonding. They don't like that, especially younger millennials. They will just burn right through you. The question that you ask at the first, listen, coaching clients just use the script, but one of the key questions that all of you guys can add to your prequel is, oh, by the way, which home in the neighborhood are you thinking about selling? When you get that buyer on the phone, have that be like the second question. Hi, I'm calling about 123 Elm Street. 123 Elm Street, that's a great house. Everyone's calling on that one. Let me check my computer to make sure that one's still uh, for sale. By the way, which house in the neighborhood are you thinking about selling? When you ask it like that, they're not expecting it. They will give you the truthful answer. If you wait, as all of you do, except our coaching clients, if you wait until the end of the script, after you've given them the information, the price, you can tell them about your dog and your favorite mortgage broker and the football scores, and then you get around to finally feeling comfortable talking about listing their house, they're already done with you. They've gotten what they want, and they're moved on. Guys, that's how it works. And I'll tell you this, too. Um, 
maybe, maybe 10 years ago, all these really robust, thorough lead follow-up things that uh, were out there, uh, you know, the emails and the things, all these really good, okay, those probably 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago worked. You know, 15 years ago, it would have been probably, you know, more mailer. Now it's email. Nowadays, everybody does it. Every time a, a potential buyer reaches out to somebody, they're entering into some campaign. And if you think you're going to convert a high level of those people into leads, you're not. You've got to get them right when they call you, right off that initial contact. And if you can't pre-qualify efficiently, effectively, quickly, you're not going to get any business. True or false, Matt? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean... <clears throat> I mean, I can these days. I mean, you get so acclimated, so you're so used to it that I, you know, within a few minutes, you can um, you can figure that out pretty quickly. So I understand that your parents were immigrants from Portugal in the '60s, and they were factory workers. So talk about that. Talk about what influence that your families had on your success, and what it means for you to be a first-generation American. Um, you know, it's you know, grow it's growing up where <laughs> you know when growing up when McDonald's was a delicacy. I mean, that, you know, that's not really having, not really having much. And mom was making your clothes for the first, you know, few years of your life. And, um, and, but it's seeing how they worked at very difficult jobs. Um, and, you know, there were things like piecework and, you know, overtime and you name it. I mean, they were, it was, it was just that, it's that work ethic, you know, and everything that we had, you know, that they were able to provide to us was through, you know, some pretty intense work uh, and some long hours and long weeks, and um, but also being able to see how they were able to save and, and, and spend, you know, within reason to build, you know, um, some pretty strong success from people who came here with nothing, you know. Um, I mean, the two aspects of it, I think, that really affected me is, is again, that really that that desire to just work as hard as you can. Um, and when you think you haven't worked hard enough, you work even harder. Um, but also maintaining your humility uh, and remembering where you came from. Um, and that, you know, when you encounter those people who are looking for a home, who are looking for their first home, I mean, this is, this is a huge step, you know. Uh, and I'm not forcing people into buying outside of their means. You know, it's it's helping them. And it's been, you know, and that I think has, you know, people see me kind of working as hard as I can for them. And that's what they're going to tell their family and friends. Um, and they're also going to know that I'm not trying to, you know, force them into spending more than they need to, just so I can get a higher cut. Um, rather, they're seeing me, you know, guiding them, you know, coaching them into, you know, through the buying process or the selling process. Um, so that they can move on to their their next home or you know, whatever the case may be. But yeah. So doing so, what, what I just heard you say is doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. That's what I heard you just say. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. So well, I mean, you had a better description of it. So why is it you think that that is not something that comes? organically and naturally this is kind of a cultural question but you being a first generation american you'll well you know i guess that's a fair characterization uh, i'll be interested in your perspective why is it that that seems to be lost on so many americans doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level it is the antithesis of our society right now and i hate to say it but it's definitely the antithesis of what's being taught to realtors 
totally and completely the exact opposite of what most agents are being told is doing what they don't want to do when they don't want to do it at the high, highest level. So from your perspective, I'm curious, where's the disconnect? Because obviously it takes doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, and yet they complain when they're not successful. Help me understand that. Yeah, I, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's that people just expect things to come very, um, things should be easy or quick um, mm. and immediate. Um, and, you know, I, I get absolutely, you know, you've got to cherish your own, your me time and all of that. That's, that's certainly the case. And, um, but it's, you know, it, I, 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 I don't know. It's just not, People haven't not having had to work very hard. I guess maybe you know again it should be things should be easy or, um, but it's I don't know it's not the not the case not been my experience in this field um, because it's it's everyone's like oh you can make your own schedule and this and that and yes you know it does you do need some structuring absolutely but in order I think and for me what's been important is you got to work your tail off you know and you got to. Yeah. You, you got to go after like you know. Here's another story. I mean, I, I had this listing on this. You know, I do a lot of income properties. You know, two, three, four family, six family units, which to be honest with you, a lot of folks don't want it. A lot of realtors don't want to do. Um, but heck, it's a, it's a spoke on it's my too much deal. work. It's too much yes. work. It's a, it's absolutely. Yeah. And you're dealing with the tenants that live there and so forth. But I had one, and I got a you know, I got a phone call uh, on a Friday night. Not, it was like Friday at five or six, and he was like, "Hey, I'm standing outside this building, and I'm interested in taking a look." I had just listed it. Um, I was, and he's like, "When can I see it?" You know, and I had nothing to do. I'm like, "Well, how about five, half an hour?" So I did. You know, and he is the person who bought it, um, and he has applauded me continually for being the hardest working agent he's ever had, and that he was working with some other agents before who weren't able to produce. And the fact that I went out there was so responsive. He has told all of his friends. He asked for. I met with him today to sign the purchase and sales agreement. He asked for more of my cards. I mean, it's that sort of thing, and that just builds. You know, you can't. This is not. This is not a job for, you know, just resting on your laurels and waiting for people to, you know, business just doesn't come. Well, if you don't want to succeed. If you don't want to succeed, I mean, going back to statistics, we know that 90% of agents wash out within 24 months. You know, I'll yeah. say it. You're being more polite, right? So in this country, we're spoiled for a whole bunch of reasons. And if you, right. and if you were if you were to travel out, I, I'll never forget. And this was a real eye opener for me. Now you come from Portugal. It's not as bad as the country I'm about to describe. Julie and I went down to the Dominican Republic, and we didn't go to the little resorts that you know Easterners like to hang out at. We went to the Dominican Republic, and we went a, had a real look around. And when you go to a country that doesn't have you know, running water, that doesn't have easy access to credit, that doesn't have, you know, the things that we take for granted, that really does put things in perspective. Um, so what, what the things that we take for granted, guys, are a lot of the things in the country that have also made us lazy. And that's not a good thing, because when times change, you, and if you're not willing to work your butt off, if you haven't really at least tossed around the idea that long-term ever-increasing success comes from doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it, you're going to have some severe problems. And then you're going to go to, say, for example, the government expecting them to help you. And then what if they can't? Or what if they can at the level that you anticipated them to? You know, and, and here's something else that you just said I think is really profound. And this is, again, if we were to say what are the five things that make a top producer a top producer, let's say, 
um, a chip on your shoulder. Now you're, and I'm not, don't let's not take that in the negative context. But if you were to now, none of them will say that on the radio, but they'll say that to me on coaching calls, or they'll say that to me before the radio show. They all will say, "I have, I had something to prove," and that never goes away. That's like a superpower. But so your chip on your shoulder is honoring your parents. Your chipper on your shoulders, honoring the sacrifice that you saw that they made for you when you were growing up, and by working your butt off work to, to fulfill what they started as far as the American dream, that's your chip. And so, guys, now, does that mean you have to have some kind of chip? I mean, mine was probably being poor, you know. Who knows? Everybody has different varying degrees of what poor means, right, especially in America. But look for something that's going to motivate you. It could be something positive, trying to honor your parents. It could be, some, you know, whatever it is manifest that drill down on that use that as a strength use that to make yourself better at your skill set don't get so washed just don't get so brainwashed in this whole quagmire of all these sort of new agey business things about you know that basically lead you to believing that success comes from thinking about it or success comes from you know hitting the easy button or doing things like social networking and all this stuff guys it's just all basically a trendy scammy thing that in your heart of hearts you know isn't true you're being played to. That's what's going on when you buy when you guys buy into that stuff. Now, does social networking and some of these other things work? Yes, but if you really want to build a long-term, ever-increasing business, you can't even remotely expect those things to be your primary lead generators. Okay, last reference to this NAR report, but then I'll I'll get off that one. The, and uh, we're talking about this in our new book extensively, but. When you look at where business comes from, we've done surveys, NARS done surveys, Inman News Features done surveys about this. Something like 60 or 70% of all of an agent's business will come from direct contacts, like what Matt's doing. If you're not willing to do those direct contacts and you think you're going to be able to buy your buyer leads, if you think you're going to be able to hit that easy button, you're, not, you're going to struggle and you won't be in the business for 24 months. Most of the training, most of the coaching that's out there is not designed to help you guys build long-term sustainable businesses. It's designed just to give you what you want, knowing that you're not going to probably be in the business in 24 months. Did I say anything there, Matt, that you felt in conflict with or anything you want to tag on to what I just said? Because you've had to go through this whole learning process. Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I think it's as – and I didn't – if you asked me this last year or a little over a year ago, I, I wouldn't know the answer to it. You know, um, but definitely, you know, what this late last year and what this year has shown is that it's it's direct contact is is huge. You know, it's like it's it's it. Um, you know, and, and the other thing that I dragged my feet about, you know, with with Eric and on my coaching calls was, you know, picking up picking up the phone, but in kind of a greater sense, asking for business, right? Trying to get yourself in there. Um, you can't be shy about it. I mean, and the, what kind of what I hear in my mind all the time when I'm meeting somebody new is, you know, when you're if you're afraid to ask for business for the business or or to try to get yourself in there, just say well, why not? Why not ask? What's the worst that can happen? You know, um, people love it. Truthfully, when you, when you ask elegantly, when you yeah. ask and and and, a, and you're not you know. Uh, and you're being yourself, again, guys, just use the scripts as sort of mental, emotional outlines for what to say and how to say it. People aren't insulted at all. People like it. People like engaging with a really good sales. I do. I, it's so rare that you come across a really good salesperson. When I do, it's like, you know, you feel like you found something special. I can tell that's how people feel about you, Matt. And, you know, the cool yeah. thing is, as I'll say this with 100% confidence, this is the first time you and I have talked You've been mm-hmm. a coaching client for a while, but you and I have not communicated directly as far as I know. We haven't, have we? No, we haven't. 
I'm going to tell. I'm going to give you a compliment. I'm going to tell you who I think who you remind me of. Um, and I don't. I think he would agree with me. You remind me of Chris Heller. Chris Heller is the, uh, the uh, CEO of Keller Williams. But Chris Heller started out as a real estate practitioner in San Diego. Yeah. You completely and totally remind me of him. And and he he built and it, we coached some of the people on his team. We know some. You know, so. We've had indirect and direct connections to Chris for over 10 years. And in my opinion, he is one of the best agents that there is in the country, and I'm sure he's going to be one of the best CEOs of one of the you know, best brokerages in the world. But you, you, when you have an opportunity, I'm not suggesting switching brokerages or anything like that. I'm just saying <laughs> I would suggest that you connect with him. I'm not even going there. But I would suggest that you connect with him and you know, get to know him a little bit because you'll find a lot of characteristics that you guys have in common. You know, as far as your mindset and how you think, and and Chris had this always had this like secret, I think, uh, drive about him, this competitive edge to him. But he was sophisticated enough that he didn't wear it on his sleeve. And you're like that too. You are a very competitive person by nature, aren't you? Uh, yes, but but like, but I always like, but like you said, um, you know, if people give you the compliment, I mean, I. My standard response is, you know, well, I just keep my head to the ground, and I just work as hard as I can, and I just leave it at that. <laughs> I do That's not gloat. I absolutely. Yeah. I don't like Facebook posts with pictures of this or that. You know, not at all. I hate that. Um, it just, yeah. You too. That's, <laughs> <it's> <laughs> <pain>. <laughs> yeah. It's just not. For it's me. garbage. It's just. It's just silly. And you know what? What's more, guys, is it drives potential buyers and sellers away. All right, so let's jump in a time machine. It's, let's say, 18 months ago. You're communicating with the Matt of, of your, okay? And that mm-hmm. Matt, it, it, he, he doesn't, he's feeling, he's, you know, he knows he has something special going for him. He knows he's willing to work hard. Um, he's thinking about getting into coaching. He's trying to decide what direction to go. What, what do you want to tell that guy? And you only have like a little snippet of time to say to him, and we're going to put it in a time machine and a bottle, and we're going to send it back in time. What do you want to tell that you of 18 months ago like go and learn as much as you can about about building business uh number one you know um in in through coaching through reading um it, it like learn how to diversify your business um mm. because just staying with one you know, one trend, one, you know, one way of working is, is not enough. Um, and learn the tactics and the techniques and uh, that, you know, a coaching, a coach or your broker mentor, you know, can offer you. Um, just it's never, don't stop the learning <laughs> because you're going to find, you know, like I learned, I learn from my broker every single day uh, and I learn from, from my coach every week. I mean, there's, there's always something else and you gotta you gotta add more dimensions to to your business. You know? Why did you choose us, Matt? I mean, did you shop other coaching companies? Why did you choose us? Because you sound like a prototypical, you know, Harris client, but why how did we you know, why did you choose us? I I looked you know, I, I certainly looked around, um, but I, it was the um, you know, listening to the podcasts. You know, I was listening to the podcasts and um, that, you know, I was learning from it, you know, and I was like, wow, that, that makes sense, you know. Um, and I was learning something every, you know, while I was driving around to appointments and listening, and I was, you know, learning things. And, and then I went, um, 
you know, and then I explored the website some more. Um, and then that initial call that um, that I made, um, I don't, I just, I just felt comfortable. Um, and it just didn't seem, I don't know, some of the other ones seem gimmicky, for lack of better words, maybe. I don't know. Um, I, if that, hopefully that answers <laughs> you. But the podcast made it, it made a huge, um, were a huge factor for me. I appreciate you. Uh, basically, you're saying authenticity, which is definitely something we take a lot of pride in. And yeah. um, being our Midwestern, humble Midwestern roots, we definitely have to keep things practical and focusing on giving tactical information. Guys, listen, I hope you have been motivated uh, by Matt. You know, it's fun. I love having guys like and gals like you on because you are outside of the norm of what someone expects. So, like, a lot of people will listen, and they'll think that in order to be successful in this business, they have to be like our superstar, Frederick Eklund. And Frederick, like, is a completely – he's not even human. He's like – he comes from – he might be an alien, okay? I mean, the guys – so they think that you have to be off the charts like he is, you know, smart, skilled, uh, great, just, you know. So you don't. You can be a normal person being yourself, focused on working hard, focusing on doing what's best for your clients. And when you basically are, you have the skill set, you're unstoppable. That's the blessing of being in real estate. <laughs> we get emails from people who are, I'm in this business or I'm in that business or I'm working here or I'm working there, and they're always asking, should I get into real estate? I am stunned by the number of people that are thinking about getting into real estate and somehow find our podcast. Well, I guess I yeah. shouldn't say that because a lot of people are trying to figure out how to basically, you know, make money and get themselves ahead, and, and they're not willing to basically, yeah. So I'm not stunned. I get it. I mean, I love real estate. It's a brilliant business. But do not make the mistake of believing it's easy. Do not make the mistake of believing there's some easy button you can hit. You have to learn the skills. You have to be willing to work. And I make this pledge to all of you guys, coaching clients or not, we will never lie to you about what it takes to be successful. We're not going to tell you something just because you want to hear it. None of our coaches will ever do that. And, yeah, sometimes you guys will be a little bit offended. I mean, some, some of you guys are a little offended by the things we say on the radio because you have gotten in your mind that there's only one way to be successful. Centers of influence are past clients, or I'm doing social networking. As soon as we say something that's going to counter to your paradigm, it's almost like we've insulted your religion. Don't think like that. Listen to what Matt just said. You have to diversify your lead generation. In other words, what he's saying is you have to build it your business so you have multiple spokes. A spoke is a source of business. The first spoke you should build is your centers of influence and past clients, but that's not your business. That's just a spoke. Then you have to learn to do the other things. They're going to be they're going to result in your effort and your results, not your effort that you only get after basically you bought a lead. You can buy leads down the road, but here's what's going to happen. After you've learned to generate, you will never have to tolerate the crap that comes with buying leads. And that is freedom, guys. That's the beauty of real estate. If you proceed into real estate thinking you have to buy your business, um, you're never going to have that sense that this is such a brilliant business because it really is. So, Matt, for the folks that want to send you uh, referrals or get in contact with you, how might they do so? Um, they can um, they can email me or they can uh, – gosh, I'll give you my, my personal number is uh, – um, do we put that? Do I just say it or <laughs> go go no, for it? Just sure, before yeah. you do, you're yeah, gonna get calls. Hundred eight thousand people probably, maybe nine thousand <laughs> listening. You're gonna get calls, so be ready. Uh, the uh, the uh, <laughs> cell is five zero eight nine six five eight six eight three, and um, my uh, email address is uh, welcome matt m a t realtor at at gmail dot com, um, and then I do have a Facebook business page. Uh, Matthew J. Arruda. Again, it's Matthew with one T. Um, that they, you know, people can message me on if that's if that's more convenient. 
Matt, listen, I really appreciate you being my co-host today, and, and I really, really sincerely appreciate the honor of being your coach. I'm excited, thrilled, uh, impressed with the path that you're on. Uh, you will oh, never you lose much. your edge. Your edge will... You'll never lose your edge, Matt, in case you ever have that thought. Your edge will just become sharper. You already know you have to be constantly learning. Um, And as long as you're constantly learning and always putting the customer first, always focusing on being of service to others, which you already intuitively get, you will, dude, you you have absolutely no limits. Think as big as you possibly can and don't stop thinking, you know? Never think, like, you know, you go back to Portugal and buy your parents an estate. (laughs) I like like that. Maybe not. Yeah, no, no, no. Cool. It's cr- it hasn't it's, so can't say it hasn't crossed my mind. <clears throat> so listeners, here's your homework. Um if you've not yet done so and you're on your mobile device, which most of you are all, scroll to the bottom, fill out that box, name, email, phone number. We'll call you back and uh generally starting in a week or so, we'll call you back immediately and when you do when we get a call back, answer any questions about our coaching programs. And when you do so, just by requesting the call back, we're going to give you six free books. And you can see the images of the books there. And if you're on your desktop, which, you know, you're old school like I am, that's what you're on, go to joinharris.com, joinharris.com. In the meantime, sir, I really appreciate you being my co-host today. And everyone else will talk with you on the radio tomorrow. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Can I give a shout-out to my Oh, Go ahead. Oh, can I give a shout-out to Eric, though? Because he he was, you know, in the beginning, he was like, I was like hurting a cat. So uh, he... uh, he 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 stuck with me, um, and I, right. I, I appreciated that. <clears throat> Shout out done. We we mentioned his name throughout. I'm sure he's I, I'm sure he's bouncing off the walls with glee. So there you go, Eric. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. See see you guys later. Bye. All right. Take care. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.